This comes to us from Matthew chapter 16, verses 21 to 28. From that time, Jesus began to show his disciples that he must go to Jerusalem and suffer many things from the elders and chief priests and scribes and be killed, and on the third day be raised. And Peter took him aside and began to rebuke him, saying, Far be it from you, Lord, this shall never happen to you. But he turned and said to Peter, Get behind me, Satan. You are a hindrance to me, for you are not setting your mind on the things of God, but on the things of man. Then Jesus told his disciples, If anyone would come after me, let him deny himself and take up his cross and follow me. For whoever, sa whoever would save his life will lose it, but whoever loses his life for my sake will find it. For what will it profit a man if he gains the whole world and forfeits his soul? Or what shall a man give in return for his soul? For the Son of Man is going to come with his angels in the glory of his Father, and then he will repay each person according to what he has done. Truly I say to you, there are some standing here who will not taste death until they see the Son of Man coming in his glory. This is the Gospel of the Lord. Praise to you, O Christ. God's grace, his mercy, his love, his peace, all the gifts that our God gives to us in Jesus Christ go with you today and keep you as his always. Amen. It is good to be with you this morning. I'm glad to be in September with August behind me. If you're not a fan of the warm, warm weather we're going to be having this weekend, then September tells us that fall cannot be too far away. And football has shown up on my TV again, and that's always a good thing. And baseball is moving into its playoff season, or getting closer to it. And so that means without paying for it, baseball gets to be on my TV a little bit more often. And lo and behold, who would have believed it? My Cubs team is even showing up once in a while because it's still a possibility and I don't have to wait until next year. And that's always a good thing. It's good to be here today also because Joy and I have been traveling a lot in August and it's good to stop that for a little bit. We saw both of our children, except they've moved further away from Indianapolis. So that meant we, beginning of August, we went to South Carolina, which meant we also drove through North Carolina and Tennessee and Kentucky. And then we drove up to Northern Minnesota because those of you who know me, no, I always have to make an annual trek to catch the big one. And those of you who like also to pursue the big one, rest assured that the big one remains in the sky blue waters of northern Minnesota. Did not get close to catching the big one at all this year. But my daughter at the beginning of summer with her family moved up to eastern North Dakota and Minnesota is much closer to North Dakota is than Indianapolis is to North Dakota. So we went from Minnesota across to North Dakota for a little bit in August, which meant then we had to come back through Minnesota 
back through Wisconsin and Illinois before we were able to land back home again. I saw a curious sign as we were coming through Wisconsin. We stopped overnight at the Dells, if you've been to the Wisconsin Dells. Heading home Friday morning then from the Dells, there was a billboard along the side of the road just north of Madison, Wisconsin. And the billboard said, Bucky's, 559 miles. Now, I don't know what they expected that sign to communicate, but I did know that the lady sitting next to me was not going to go 559 miles before we stopped for gas. In fact, I'm not sure the vehicle I was driving can even get me 559 miles before I have to get gas. But it raised the question for me, have you ever been to Bucky's? If you have traveled especially south from Indianapolis, you might have passed one along the way. Bucky's labels itself as a convenience store. It's big. And because it's big, you could guess it originated in the early 80s, about, it originated in the early 80s in Texas, and has been, over the last six, seven, eight years, been expanding mostly throughout the South. Now, if you go back a few years, and remember Stuckey's as those roadside travel stops. Well, Bucky's is kind of like Stuckey's on steroids. <laughs> In fact, if you've stopped at a Bucky's, it's really on a double dose of steroids. There's a new Bucky's in Seaverville, Tennessee. So if you're heading toward the Smoky Mountains or Gatlinburg area, it's open now, the signs have been up for a while, 74,000 square feet of store outside 160 gas pumps. That's Stuckey's on steroids. A convenience store would encourage you to stop. It's a fun place. My grandkids love it. And Bucky's has everything you never knew you needed. Anything. Clean restrooms, yes. And that's what they advertise. Uh, let's see, what else do they have? They have food, and they have clothes, and they have all kinds of drinks. And yes, they do have gas, which is usually below average. No, I am not a spokesman for Bucky's. The closest one, though, if you get on I-75 and you're going south, say to Florida or to South Carolina or any of those, Atlanta, Georgia, perhaps, there is a Bucky's south of Lexington, Kentucky. And as of right now, until they build a new one, they just announced outside Dayton, Ohio, that's the closest Bucky's that you will find. Be warned, though. Expect crowds of people because they have attracted 
every, well, it seems like every traveler going down the interstate, and that's allowing them to continue to expand. One easy stop traveling. That's kind of what Stuckey's was back in the 60s as the highway system began, the interstate system especially, began to get rolling. And that's what Bucky's advertises also, one easy stop in and out. I think we've been there, stopped. Yes, we did stop at the one in Seaverville also uh, about five times. And we have managed, I believe, to get out with nothing in our hands just once. Which means that somewhere in their file, they have our picture walking out the door with nothing in our hand. And they want to know how their employees let us get away with nothing from their store. One easy stop. That's how we like our life to be in 2023. This product calls itself a floor cleaner. It's convenient. It's concentrated. Put some water in it. Put it in the uh, container that's attached to, you know, kind of the vacuum mop, and it cleans your floor. The product that was used before this liked to advertise itself as one easy step and Mop and Glow will get your floors shining unbelievably bright. One easy step. Joy's dad, Harvey Krauss, owned and operated a mobile service station. I never met the man, but he was well known in his community as a kind Christian man who offered excellent service at his place of business and even did car repairs. He did something that in that day was called car bumping. You might want to look up what that was. Harvey would not recognize the places that you and I stop to put fuel in our vehicles today. The only service that is offered at those places is self-service. Unless you go in the convenience store. And there, most often, the only service that you and I receive is at to register when we leave and we pay what we are taking with us. But that's our preference for today. We have added clothing and a whole host of other products to our food stores so we can go in and do one stop. We have added food to our clothing stores so we can accomplish the same thing. It's convenient. It's quick, it's easy. The only problem is you have to be able to find your automobile in the vast parking lot. One easy step. Today we even meet a disciple who would like discipleship.
to be one easy step. But before we consider today's scripture reading, let me ask you a question. It's a question I've asked the other two service, the people attending those services also. And I suspect the reason or, or the answer to the question is going to be the same whether in this church or the church down the road, no matter which service I may ask. And the question was, does your presence in this particular worship service have a meaning for you? Or are you here because this is the most convenient service for your schedule? And most worshipers, whether here at Calvary or around the corner, are probably going to say it's the most convenient. It's the easiest for us to get to as a whole family. Or it's the most convenient by time I get myself started in the morning. Or because of the medication that I take, it takes a while for me to get going. There's nothing wrong with that. But most Christian people today want convenience. Not only in the time of their worship, and that's where we as disciples sometimes fall into the traps that go along with ease and convenience. We want that to spread throughout all that we do as his disciples. Make it easy for me, and I might join in that service project. Make it convenient for me, and I might become a part of that Bible study. Ease and convenience in that which we do. Peter, our disciple for today, once an easy walk of faith, Jesus, Matthew tells us, starts talking to his disciples about how he must go to Jerusalem and how he must there be killed, arrested, killed, and rise again on the third day. And Peter jumps up and says, never, Lord. We can't do this. Never, Lord, should you go this way. This can't happen to you. The Messiah should not be going to the cross. God's promised Redeemer should not die. This is not the way of the kingdom, Jesus. Peter not only finds himself looking for an easy way, he ultimately even finds himself opposing that which God is orchestrating through our Savior, Jesus Christ. Jesus responds to Peter with a very stiff rebuke. He reminds Peter that the convenient way is not always God's way. Get behind me, Satan, Jesus says. You are a stumbling block. Our ESV reading uses the word hindrance, and that's a good word, but... I think stumbling block paints for us maybe even a better picture. You are a stumbling block. We're afraid of stumbling. We're concerned about things that might be in our way that would cause us to fall. Peter, you are a stumbling block. You are a stumbling block because the way that you are thinking 
is not the mind of God. But the way that you are thinking still shows that you are bound to the way of this world. And the way of this world is so often convenient and easy. In fact, the convenient way was the very first, was the very temptation that Jesus faced with Satan. And I believe that's why he uses that picture here when he addresses Peter. Satan, get behind me. Because that's what he had told Satan before. When Satan comes to Jesus in those temptations and he said, give him some bread. You can do the sensational, Jesus. Show them the sensational wonders that you are capable of. Give them the way of your power, your miracles. If you are the Son of God, compromise with the world. To which Jesus, with God's word, responded, that's not God's way, Satan. Because this is what God says, and this is what God says, and this is what God said. They struggled there in the wilderness, and now we see another struggle going on. As Jesus says, I must go to Jerusalem, it's a struggle, this time though, initiated by Jesus' own disciples. If the cross is a stumbling block to Peter, then it certainly remains a stumbling block to people today, even to us as the people of God. There's a Savior that is so cuddly, born in the manger of Bethlehem. The world celebrates Christmas and rejoices in the gift of this baby child. But the Savior who dies on a cross for the sins of the world, <laughs> the world hardly knows that day and allows it to pass rather quietly. Even at times as a Christian community, consider the way we celebrate with grand largeness the gift of God's Christmas. But the celebration of Good Friday and Easter in many Christian communities is very far less than that. Disciples today, another stumbling block is presented to them as Jesus in our words reminds us that the life that we live is so much more than food and drink and the things of this world. It's much more than simply making a living. It's living a life with a capital L and a capital I and a capital F and a capital E. And that kind of living, that sort of life only comes from one source. He has given to us that life as creator, but we also now have received that life as redeemer through Jesus Christ, our Savior, because he is the life with a capital L-I-F-E. He is the way, he's the resurrection, he's the truth, he's the good shepherd. He is all of it and offers all of it to us through faith in Jesus Christ. 
But Jesus instructs us as his disciples today with two thoughts. What does it gain if you possess everything in the entire world but forfeit your soul? Forfeit the life that God has given to you that through Christ and his cross can be everlasting. What does it gain? The obvious answer is it doesn't gain a thing at all. And then Jesus also reminds us, if anyone would come after me, if anyone would be my disciple, let him deny himself, take up his cross, and follow me. It is he who bore the cross for us. It was he who willingly goes to Calvary on our behalf, who now calls us, calls anyone who would come after him in faith, to do those three things. Deny yourself, take up your cross, and follow him. But before we consider those three, the question becomes, if Peter is a stumbling block for Jesus, what are the stumbling blocks that exist in your life or my life of faith? What are the stumbling blocks that hinder us from continuing to grow in this faith? What are the stumbling blocks together as congregation that hinder us from reaching out in greater ways to the community that is around us? Deny yourself is one that Jesus puts in our way because that's always difficult. For even Christian people, as we continue to live with our sinful nature, to deny yourself. Let me share an illustration. This is you, the individual you. It's a bottle of water. It hasn't been opened yet. There's a little room in the top. If I put a little water in here, it would be filled to the very top. So this is you. When I hear the words of Jesus say, deny yourself, the question that comes to me is, how much room am I leaving for God in my life? How much room am I leaving for God in my life? Because God would fill us with his spirit. But in order for God to fill us with this spirit, I need to empty my life of myself more than what it is. But that's hard to do, deny myself. I have wants. I have needs. They're not much different from when I was a seven-year-old. I see it. I want it. That's what self says to us over and over and over. Why should you deny yourself? Why? So that God can fill our lives with himself. To deny yourself is to empty yourself so that the one who emptied himself, even to death on the cross, can fill my life and can fill your life with himself. 
Say no to self. Never an easy thing to do. But it is at odds with what God would want for your life or for my life. Say yes to him is to allow him by his spirit to come into your heart through the power of his word and continue to grow greater and greater so that you and I and us together become more like Jesus Christ. But then he adds to that. <laughs> he adds to that and says, take up your cross and follow me. You and I look at the cross and we see what God has done for us. But Jesus' encouragement is even more than that. Jesus' encouragement is for us to consider the crosses of our life, and we all have them. The adversities, the struggles, the, the things that cause us to stumble in our life, the hindrances that don't allow us to walk in this faith in the manner that God would have us walking. We all have them in one way or another. And when they come strongly into our life, be that through, through pain, be that through disease, be that through loss, whatever way it may come to us, the question is, can we see God still there? We can see him on the cross. Can we see him in our own crosses? Now, there are many people who have no trouble seeing God in their blessing, in their prosperity. And we're all thankful when that occurs to us. But can we see God by faith in our adversity and not only in our prosperity? To take up our cross means to live with that trust each and every day, to live with that hope that says, this isn't one of the better days of my life, Lord. This is not a good day, but I trust your promise that you are still there with me. Never will I leave you. Never will I forsake you is God's promise. I am with you all of your days. That's always all of your days, your good days. But what Jesus is talking about, what about those bad days? What about those days that bring adversity? Can you still see God at work for you and in you and in others who may be encouraging you? And finally, Jesus adds, follow me. One thing is true, and that is as we begin another week, None of us knows what that week may bring to us. You might have an idea of what today might bring to you and what you might hope to accomplish, maybe today, maybe tomorrow on a holiday. But to see the entire week and know that this is what's going to happen, our vision, our sight can't reach that far. But his can. God's can. So that when Jesus says, follow me, He's encouraging us to walk with the one who is the good shepherd, the one who knows what's going to happen in this week for us. Follow me, says our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Follow the good shepherd because you and I are his sheep. 
and his sheep follow the shepherd. Follow me. There was a game growing up in Chicago. Used, I remember used, used to play as a kid. Any urban area, if you grew up, houses are clo built close together with one another. When they were building a new house in Chicago, you know, they would always dig out a basement because that gave everybody some extra living space if you would add a basement to the home. And so most homes in the city had basements to them. You dig out that hole in the ground where the basement's going to be, you dump the dirt down in a pile. We would play on that pile. And the game we would always play was called King of the Hill. Somebody volunteered to get up on the hill, and everybody else who was playing the game would strive to push him off the top, knock him off the top, whatever it took to get that individual off the top of the hill, and then you became king of the hill, and the game would repeat itself. Sounds like a game a bunch of boys would play, right? You know, I will let you know it wasn't just the boys that played that game. We all enjoyed being the king of the hill if you could get to that point in the game. Well, Jesus reminds us today that God has scooped out of this world all of the muck, all of the mire, all of the mud, and has built a large hill. And on the top of that hill, he has placed a cross. And on that cross... He has placed his one and only son, Jesus Christ, to be your savior and to be my savior. Because I can't do that myself. I cannot save myself. It is by God's grace only. As we started our worship today, I need you, Lord, because I cannot do it. Nor can I do what Jesus encourages us to. I can't deny myself. I can't take up my cross and follow him. I can't do that by myself. Even in faith, I can't do that without his help. And his help comes by his spirit, who would fill us with the presence of Christ himself and the power of a risen Lord and Savior, Jesus, so that we might walk with him this day and every day. May his spirit continue that work in us now and forever. And in Christ's most precious name, amen. Let's bow our heads as we pray. Gracious Lord, may your word find fertile ground in our hearts and lives this day. As you have spoken to us and have opened our ears and opened our hearts, strengthen us by your spirit in this Christian faith and walk of life. It is not easy, Lord. It wasn't easy for your heavenly Father. And it wasn't easy for you as you went to the cross for us. And it's not easy this day either. But with your presence and with your power, you enable us as your people to walk with you. For your gift of forgiveness, we thank you. For the gift of your word, 
that encourages us as your people, we thank you. Bless now the remainder of our worship, all to the glory of your precious name. Amen.